I love to see how the church can go out and do as we're told, right? Make disciples all through this world, taking the word of God through every corner of this world. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how this ministry goes. And, and as we as a church, we will back this ministry. So you understand that. Uh, we will do everything that we can to make sure that this ministry goes forth. So, but we're going to go ahead and get into our summer series. Uh, just kind of looking at messages throughout God gives us in his word and giving it to you however I feel that God gives it to me, all right? And uh, last Sunday, we opened up in Galatians. And so we're going to do the same thing. We're going to continue that this morning. We're in Galatians. Uh, we understand that this is a, a, uh, a letter by Paul. Uh, Paul, who is Paul? He's a great apostle. Um, he, or he was, rather, a great church planner. And then he would raise up pastors and church leaders. Um, he was a great mentor. He was someone to look at, look up from as a church leader, a young church leader, a young uh, church pastor. We see that through Timothy's life. But understanding that a lot of the New Testament are letters or what we call epistles that Paul wrote to these specific churches that he had church planted or that he had started so that he could help strengthen their doctrine as well as bringing some correction like what we are seeing in this case in the book of Galatians. We can understand that the Galatian church, we found this out last week, that is actually located uh, in what we would consider as modern-day Turkey today. And so Paul was and he was out planting other churches when he left Galatia. And afterwards, he had now many new Christians. But unfortunately, he had some other Christians follow behind him who were all about to, or rather, all about a different type of gospel. We looked at two different gospels, okay? And we looked at the gospel that was of the law, understanding the rules, regulation, or what? Religion. And then we looked at the gospel of grace. Now, what, I need to give you a little bit of a backstory here about what was going on here with this church. Paul, church planted, he left it to go on and start other churches, to plant other churches. And while he was out and about, the now Christian Jews came in, still stuck within the law, stuck within the do's and the don'ts and all these different things. And so here's what they, literally, this is what they did. They came in, they looked at these Gentiles, okay? They looked at all these non-Jewish now believers and said, here's what you got to do. We, on the eighth day, after we were born, the males were all circumcised. Now you, males, who are followers of Christ, now have to be circumcised. Can you imagine what kind of... Paul didn't like that. Paul's going, no, 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 no. You are missing the point here. Relationship is the most important factor within us as followers of Christ being believers of him. It's not about what we can and we cannot do. 
Not overlooking that. Because the scriptures give us guidelines of how to live our life. But we do not have a works-based relationship. We have a grace-based relationship. A relationship that what? Offers forgiveness. Not because of the things that you decide to do or not to do. But because of the decision that Christ already did for you. By paying the ultimate price. So, we saw last Understand that there are two choices that are laid before us. The first story, one of the first stories of the Bible, we understand that Adam and Eve were, were given an opportunity. You can eat from this tree, the tree of life, but you cannot take from the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. So we can understand that we are given two choices. We are given two gospels. One that is very what? Life-giving and one that is all about following rules, steps, and procedures. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. We're going to go there, and this is our opening scripture. It says, when Cyphus or Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. In other words, he was out of line. Now, here you go. You've got one of the disciples of Christ, Peter. And here he is, Paul, with a background that is very sketchy. And he approaches Peter because Peter was out of line in this moment. And he approaches him. And, but in fact, it's not approaches him, but what it is to say, he opposed him. So you had your first church debate going on right there. Two theological different views happening at one time. Here's what he For before certain men came from James... He, meaning Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. Understand that. Used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to, what, draw back or pull back and separate himself, doing what? Creating a distance from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group or those who were circumcised. He was feeling the pressure he was in a pressure cooker moment, right? He knew it would look bad upon for him to be with these uncircumcised. But when no one was around judging, what was he doing? Oh, he was fine with it. He was doing just as the body of Christ is supposed to do, right? Sharing love, sharing the example of Christ. But the moment the Jewish come in, it totally changes everything. He chooses between two Gospels in that moment. It said that from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, unfortunately. Verse 13, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. What is that saying to us? That means there was people watching, and they were seeing how he was choosing and the decisions that he was making. And then they were following along after him. It speaks a lot to the church for us. 
okay? Because we understand that there are two gospels that are constantly laid before us. You wake up every day with the choice to serve two gospels. You have one that you can choose to live that is life-giving, not only to you, but is life-giving to every individual that comes around you. It is life-giving to every individual that you are a part of, your coworkers, your family, your friendships, that circle that you are around. Choice to be involved in another type of gospel, a gospel that is about what you can and can't do, a gospel that's about the rules and the regulations. And many times these are the things that fear us away or fear people away from a relationship with Christ. Understanding that as we mature as believers, we realize what we can and cannot do, and we don't do it. Here's the difference. We don't because we have to. Live the life because we want to. Do you understand that? I'm not telling you that the rules and regulations and that the things that the Bible says we can cannot do, that we should cast them aside. I'm telling you that once we present a grace-filled gospel and we begin to dig into the word of God ourselves, that it begins to change our minds and our hearts can somebody please get me just a little something, water, please? Because my mic keeps cutting out here, and I'm trying to project my voice a little bit. But we get to the place where if we would just dig into the Word of God and get into a time of prayer, that it's not about the rules and the regulations of what we can and cannot do. It becomes it's what we want to live. That's where the difference happens. Now, how do we keep from going back to the way of old living? How do we keep from allowing ourselves to be entrapped into a religious relationship versus a grace-filled relationship? How, how do we keep from going from the freedom of the tree of life to the condemnation of the tree of good and evil? It's incredible that we switch back and forth consistently as a church and as believers. One minute, when we're in a worship service like we are now, it is easy for us to get into a time of worship and to understand what the grace-filled relationship is all about. Because we begin to get into a, a, a body of believers in one accord, and God's spirit becomes demonstrated through individuals. And watch this. Jesus is contagious. And when the spirit of God begins to move, it rubs off and it draws people, even the most lost, into a moment like this to hunger and to thirst after a deeper relationship. Now, the problem often falls from this moment, when we allow ourselves to go away from an environment like we are in now, and then we come, as Peter was, into the pressure cooker moments within life. And the grace begins to become less and less, and the judgments begin to become more and more. Where the environment 
we are feeling God stronger in our lives because we're in a sanctuary where we expect God to be in and we're not in that environment and we get into a sanctuary where we don't feel that God is necessarily in with the environments that we allow ourselves to get entrapped in, with the friendships that we continually allow ourselves to get hung up on, with all of these different things, jobs, and the pressures come upon. And watch this. We take the attention off of our own life of what we are doing wrong or what we're not doing right. And we begin to cast that upon everyone that we get around just so you can feel better about yourself. What's the problem there? We're not selfless. We have now become extremely selfish. Where it's all about who? Me. What I want. We need to understand and develop in the gospel. That is where Paul goes on next to explain. Watch this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. He says this. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. Or in other words, what? The rule keeping. How is a person justified? He continues to say, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So we have put, or rather we have tried, our faith in Christ Jesus. That we may be what? Justified in Christ And not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, or the rules, no one is justified through. For though the law, excuse me, for through the law, I die to the law, so that I might, what, live for God. So, we have chosen the tree of life. We are full of joy, but we have also felt those moments And those days switch back and forth. Paul reveals to us a secret in the last verse of this chapter. He reveals to us our God's gospel. He does this by revealing something, I would say, that causes us to go into the deep end of the pool, so to speak. You You know what I'm talking about? where you're no longer in control of the situation. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, I have been crucified. In other words, this, I regularly must put to death some things. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer, what? Live. I'm, in other words, he's saying, I'm dead. My old ways, what? My jealousy, my anger. My lust, my ways about me are what? They're gone. He says, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith. Life. This is a principle that is all throughout Scripture. If you want to stay consistent, Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 25. It says, from that time, meaning at the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and that he has to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, 
and that he must be killed, and on the third day, he would what? Be raised to life. To this point, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to be the king on earth, not necessarily the king in eternity. Understanding that they were under Roman control. And so the expectation of who the Messiah was, was that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and then sit on a throne in an earthly manner. This really messed up their theology. This type of speaking messed up their thought. You know what I'm talking about, right? When th- that, that, those times when you have an expectation of how you know Jesus is going to answer a prayer, and you have it pinpointed step by step, the easiest way that he can do it. Just think about that for just one second, please. And then it doesn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. Instead of that straight line from A to B, it becomes a crooked detour. Backwards way about it. You see, Am I totally losing out completely? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, that's hilarious to me. Can you imagine Jesus being right in front of you and you rebuke him? How do you rebuke the Son of God? How do you rebuke God? I mean, Peter, who do you think you are in this moment? We just read Peter. Peter was going the wrong way anyway, wasn't he? He was doing the wrong things. Now we read that Peter is rebuking. What does that tell me? Thank God he did that because it shows me that my mess ups aren't quite that bad. All right. He says, never, Lord, he said. You go tell God never, okay? This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Ooh. Oh, it's tough. Now, he's not calling Peter Satan, all right? He's calling the attitude, his demeanor of thinking. He's calling that. That's a spirit right there. And Jesus was calling out that spirit. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have any, you do not have God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if He must do what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus now is introducing the concept to people of that we need to live our life in the fullness of him. Not according to what our own desires, plans or patterns or expectations or emotions. We need to practice a discipline within our lives. He goes on to say this. For whoever, what, wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will, what, find it. Now, 
I'm not old. I feel it sometimes with my boys, but I'm not old. But the thoughts have come across my mind time and time again. I think as I get a little older, so for some of you, then you're thinking this a lot, all right? But my existence on this earth is nothing but a mere vapor. My eternal existence never ends. And I am willing to lose my life so that I can gain my life in him. I am willing to set aside all of my plans, desires, temptations, so that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I am right in the eyes of God. So why ever want to gamble that? Why would we ever get to the spot where we're willing to say, you know what, it's okay, it's this moment, you know what, God, this is how you made me. Our parents are alcoholics, so it's obvious I'm going to be an alcoholic. No! Infidelity ran through my family, so infidelity is going to run through mine. No! When are we going to get to the spot where we're going to say enough is enough and that is not the pattern that's going to be my life. Amen. I want that grace gospel. I've got to have that grace gospel because grace gospel that allows me to go in and then be able to what? Live the gospel or live the things that the word tells me that I can and cannot be involved in or should be involved in. We sometimes cannot change situations, but God can watch this change us. I know that you might be in tough situations within your, what, relationships. You know, the situations on the outside can change, but watch this. You're still the same person on the inside and nothing changes. I've said this time and time and time again to you guys. Change has to happen inside. If all we're doing is change on the outside, what are you doing behind closed doors when no one's watching you? What are you involved in? What kind of decisions are you making? Are you allowing conversations to happen that should not happen? Social media allows that all the time. Some of you are feeling the the, the heat in that one right there. What are you partaking inside that is not of God? Watch this. If I feed myself healthy food, it's going to show on the outside of this earthly body. If all I'm doing is taking soda in all the time, Tom Derrickson, then it's going to show on my earthly body. If all I'm doing, I'm getting off my notes a little bit, guys, so forgive me, all right? I don't know where I'm going. If all I'm doing is allowing myself to take in things through these ears, watch this. I need God to sanctify my hands. I need God to sanctify my feet. I need God to sanctify my mind. I need God to sanctify my tongue. I need God to sanctify my ears. Because watch this, whatever I'm bringing through my eyes, whatever I'm bringing through my ears is coming through from my mouth. It's coming from my hands. It's coming from my actions. 
And then we wonder why it's so difficult to live life. It's what you're bringing in. Stop. God gives us choices. One of the greatest gifts that Jesus ever gave us was the choice to do right or to do wrong. When are you going to learn that it's your choices that are bringing you to where you are right now? It's not God who did it. Watch this. It's not even Satan. It's what you're allowing yourself to be consumed of. It's what you're allowing yourself to be a part of. The environment. You're taking yourself into environment. You can't say no one brought you into the environment. Your two legs took you into the environment. When are we going to get to the spot where we're going to say enough is enough? I'm tired. I'm tired of stumbling. I'm tired of falling. To lose me so that I can live in him. It's time, Lord, for these desires, these temptations, these things that I'm allowing myself to be a part of to die so that I'm raised in you. How do we do this? Number one, we have to crucify ourselves. We literally need to get to the place where we remember, Lord, I give you my life. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that time when you gave your life to Jesus Christ? Do you remember where you were? February the 6th, 1998. Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the Lancaster Host Hotel in a conference room, Master's Commission. I remember walking forward. That was a youth pastor in my area saw me. And I, I remember thinking to myself, Lord, I'm going to walk down. And you've, many of you heard this story. And I love sharing it because it helps me remember. It grounds me. It keeps me grounded. You need to do this in your life. I remember stepping out, and, and I've told you guys this, it was the end of the service, and I was stepping through the doorway to leave, and something hit me like it kind of did here this morning, where something just hit my spirit and said, this is your last moment if you walk out of this room. I turned around, I looked at my youth leader, I said, you know, I'll catch up with the group in a minute. Too embarrassed to say, you know what, I'm going to go get my life to Jesus. I turned around, and as I'm going, I'm walking, I'm going, Lord, please don't let there anybody, don't, please, God, don't let anybody be there that knows me. And here he is, standing. 500 pounds, dude, massive guy, beast, solid as a rock. Looks at me with this stupid grin on his face, right? And I'm going, really? Really? And I went down and he just bear hugs me in that moment, full of love, man. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was, I melted like butter in that dude's arms. That's weird, right? That's just, that's just, that, we'll just leave that right there, right? I melted in that moment and I was sobbing. It was like, as I was walking down that aisle, it was like, it was, it was like just sin falling off of me in that moment. You know what I think? I think that when Jesus was walking through those streets, he was seeing me that night 
walked down that aisle. And he goes, I'm doing it. Think about when you gave your life to Jesus. Think about that moment. You might have been so young. Who cares? You gave your life to Jesus. You might be so old. Who cares? You gave your life to Jesus. In that moment, already with the foreknowledge, saw you walking down or coming to an altar or at a hospital room or in a room, at home or at a conference like I was at wherever it was, or watch this, here this morning. But I remember as I walked down that aisle and that dude was standing there and I could feel just stuff fall. And, and at the time I wasn't an emotion. Now when I think about it, I get it all emotional. You can tell, I just get emotional about it. But as I was walking down, just I could feel the emotion start welling up inside of me. And he grabbed me and he said, just give it, just say whatever's on your heart. And the only word that could come out of my mouth was Jesus. Jesus. It wasn't a prayer that I have to orchestrate for you and pray with you. Simply the words, Jesus. And watch this. Everything changed in that moment. So the first thing we have to understand is that we need to crucify self. Be reminded. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I die every day. I'll, I'll tell you how I do it in my own personal life. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Every day, probably multiple times a day in my prayer life. God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me what I know I've done wrong and forgive me for the ignorance of what I don't know I did wrong. Grammar situations right there, all right? John 3, 30 says, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. How do I do this? What is my action step on that? It's humility. I must crucify myself daily. Secondly, Crucify my flesh, not specifically, you know, our skin, but the, the flesh is speaking of our passions and our desires. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, that's us, have crucified. That's the second time, by the way, that's within Galatians. The sinful nature with its passions and desires. Passions. surrounded by it all the time. You need this. You need that in your life. You're not going to be happy unless you've got this. And you know what I'm talking about. No, I realize I'm not going to be happy unless I've got Jesus. I am the most unhappy when I am doing what is wrong, but I am the most joyful when I'm serving him in everything. Amen, Pastor. Amen. I have to coach you along a little bit. That's okay. 
Joshua 24, 15 says this, choose. It says what? Make a choice. Make a decision. What? For yourselves. Pull up your big pants. Whom you will serve. And I love this. But as for who? Me and my house. We will who? Serve the Lord. So what's my action step? What do I have to do here? Make the right choices. Simple. Stop doing what you've been doing that's made you miserable. Start doing what you need to do to make your life meaningful. If you were to die, what are people going to say about your life? What are they going to remember? I pray that my kids can look back and say he was a loving father, but more than that, he loved Jesus with everything in his heart. What would people say about you? Thirdly, last point. I'm going to close here. Crucify the world. Not cast judgment. Galatians 6.14, watch this. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is saying that the secret life is that he has a world filter. Don't listen to that. I don't eat and drink of that. I don't allow myself to be in this environment. Letting these things to be a part of my world any longer. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a Bible that is there to help lead you in this. You need a break from this world. Every year, my family, we go and we take a vacation. We go. We escape from whatever's normal in our lives. To get to the abnormal, to enjoy, to get a break, to become refreshed. If I treated my spiritual life like that, my life would be miserable. I need that spiritual break every single day of my life. Look, right now we're in this world. And until you're not getting out of it. It's as simple as that. So every day I need to make a choice. My spiritual break. Through prayer. Through reading of his word through coming into this place every time that the opportunity comes to have a corporate worship with you. Because why? I have to crucify the world. The world that I have made for me. The passions and the desires that do not line up with God's will for my life. The that we can so easily become entangled in. The judgment cast on people. Don't you love it? I'm not casting judgment, but hey, look, I've done it. Believe me, as I did this message this week, I was like, that's me. That's me. That's me. You know what? I quit. 
None of us are perfect. Stand with none of us are perfect. I love <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18. It says, therefore, come out from them and what? Separate. Do, do you guys remember what the definition of bullying is? Being different. Thessalonians, the will of God for us is said that we are to be what? Holy. That sounds huge. That sounds like a really, really, really big responsibility. But we get the definition of holy and it says that we are to just simply be different. So what God tells me to do, if he says for me to be holy, is to be different. Well, how do I be different? I make a lot better. I take a break from this world. What do I do? I crucify the things of this world that is in my life. I allow Jesus, I allow the word of God, I allow prayer to be what? A focus. You know, look, we, all, we all get into this phase where oh, it's time to get into the word for the day. So we'll get, we'll read it and put it aside. We'll go throughout our day. And I bet you if someone asked you, what did you read for today? I'm not really sure because we get so stuck and just do the motion of it, don't we? When's the last time you got into the word, but before you did it, you said, Lord, show me you in it. Because when you are in something, it changes what? Everything. And if it's changing, I read the word of God and the word of God is gonna grow deeper in me, which is what whatever I'm bringing in is gonna come out. Now, before we can do any of that, we have to have that moment like I had. To Jesus. And have meaningful life in that crucify ourselves daily. And before we can do any of that, we have to first say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want from this day forward, to live my life for you. Jesus, save me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That's, one, that's the first challenge that's given to us this morning. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Savior, and you choose today to say, today I serve Jesus from this moment forward. Lord, be the Lord of my life. Do it now. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see, I see that. I see that. I see that hand. Wow, that's awesome. Watch this. Jesus.
I remember that moment. Some of you right now are having that moment. Say this prayer with me, everyone. Jesus, today I choose live my life Save my king, master, be my Lord. Help me to live the life that you for me. To do your will and to go according to your plan. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Amen. Amen. Now, here comes a point. Hey, you know what? I'm willing to crucify. Lord, I'm willing to crucify my life daily. My action step is I need to be separate. Separation needs to happen here. I need to be different from this world. I'm a Christ follower, for goodness sake. I got to stop living like the world and start living like the word. I got to allow that grace gospel to get inside of me, give it to everybody else so that they can experience the freedom and the joy that I get to experience. You know, I, I as I did this message, felt very convicted in my own life. I've already told you that. God, there's some things you need to change here. If this was just for me, but I can't help but think there's some of you in here this morning who you felt conviction as well, and you realize something needs to change. I've given my life to the Lord, yes, but I need to do this thing a little bit better. In fact, a lot better. So I'm going to ask you this question. If that's you today, every every person looking because we're not ashamed if that's you today raise your hand absolutely I I got mine up I'm going to pray but I want you to pray your own prayer as well for this in your life God we love you so much and we thank you for who you are and what you're all about we thank you Lord for your message and today Lord I need to crucify my life daily these People here today, God, who, who, who are standing before me, God, and who feel in their own life, Lord, that, Lord, yes, we want to crucify our lives daily before you because, Lord, we understand that we must be different, separate from this world. We must have better choices. God, we must choose better. Help us, Lord. Bring to our mind the remembrance of the things of your word, what you have done in our lives. Never let us forget that salvation moment in our lives, God. May we seek after you Oh, holy God, in everything that we do, every decision that we make, we start today. Lord, may we be at our lowest moment because at our lowest moment, Lord, we can never fall any further. And Lord, that is that moment, God, where we are laid before you and we say, Lord, forgive us of our sin. Make us whole. Make us holy. Help us to change, God and to change this world with it. Father, Lord, you have equipped us, you have trained us, 
You have discipled us. You've empowered us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, may we leave this place, and when we do so, we do it with an authority that comes from heaven and heaven alone. An authority to overcome the temptations, the struggles, the obstacles that get in our way. God, that when we are faced with them, we will make choices that line up with your plan, your purpose, and your will for our lives. God, we love you. Lord, we worship you enthusiastically. So God, let our our mouth and the meditations of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable in your eyes, Father. And God, as we leave this place, may every gifting and offering and tithing that will be given to you be done in a manner that is joyful and that will build your kingdom. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. We love you.